0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. So, you know, the the time that I've been in higher education, what I've always told my students is that if they work hard and get their degree and work with me on putting together an effective resume, they're going to be able to get a job once they graduate. And I think that's still true. But I also know that the job field is so much more complex now in terms of where my students are applying and the jobs that they're seeking, even though they're still getting the same degree that they did 20 years ago when I started teaching. We're going to be talking about this topic today in terms of how students represent what it is that they gain from their educational experiences. My guests are two individuals from Territorium, which is a Texas-based ed tech company specializing in using technology solutions that empower students, teachers, and employers to better highlight and understand needed skills that students have when they leave the educational environment and into the workplace. My first guest is Guillermo Elizondo, who is the CEO and founder of Territorium. And my second guest is Keith Look, who is a former principal and teacher, and is now vice president of equity and innovation at Territorium. Uh, Guillermo and Keith, thank you both for being here.
1: Thank you very much for inviting us. Hey, thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. So, so I want to start with, uh, w- which is w- with something that's not the obvious question. So. If, if I were an individual that was looking for a job, I'm happy with my job right now. But if I applied for a job at Territorium and the two of you um, were on the hiring committee, what are the things as employers that you would find most important to see on my resume um, that you would be looking for? Like, how would I set myself apart? And I want to hear that from your perspective as employers before we talk about um, what credentials are and, and maybe why they're not fitting the bill. Uh, Guillermo, why don't you start with that, and then Keith, if you right. want to add in after that, then feel free.
1: Of course, yeah. What what will happen is, well, in our case as as an employer, uh, normally we will look for certain skills and certain values instead of like, hey, which courses this student took or which grades they took or what's their GPA, um, if it's like an entry-level job. And, and us as a company normally focus on, not, not on the hiring side, but on, on our platform and how we help people to move from education to, to, to work mo- mostly is an entry-level job, students that just finished college mm-hmm. or just finished high school. Um, and, and a lot of, of how we see it is instead of submitting a resume, is how about submitting a record with all these skills that the student has. Um, and all the pieces of evidence that you' master in those skills. right. Um, I, I don't know if you want to add a little bit more around that. Keep
0: actually, Keith, let me let me ask you a, a slightly different version of that question, but it but it will be continuing with what Guillermo said. I, I read in one of your writings in uh, a journal called The journal, where you were talking about, if I remember correctly a, a student, she may have been hypothetical, but a student named Susan who, put together a resume but but it it maybe that plus her transcript concealed the fact that although she was a history major she learned to do pivot tables. So with that context in mind, the resume that I might send if I, you know, was doing sort of the conventional job seeking approach, what what types of information does that conceal for you as an employer that you would want to know?
2: Well, I think that's exactly it. The the resume as a Eight and a half by 11 two-dimensional sheet does not convey the depth and breadth of the skills, the evidence, and the experiences, the, the wisdom that is gained. It can be a window to at least have me as employer uh, hopefully figure out the right questions to ask to mine for more of that, um, but in the example mm-hmm. that you provide, uh, simply reading a course list or even looking at specific job titles, um, that doesn't really demonstrate who the person is and what they are, what they know and are able to do. And it's just simply become uh, a very limited vehicle uh, that has mm-hmm. uh, worked for some, but is increasingly less effective for the broader array of citizens and people that we wish to engage with, on you know, locally and nationally.
0: So, Guillermo. You you have um, you know been through an educational experience as has Keith and higher ed, but but also K twelve. I mean, our sort of general approach is built upon the principle that we will convey or confer upon a student a degree. So whether it's a high school diploma um, or a college degree, we do that. Um, we have a transcript that tells what courses. A student may have taken in either of those educational uh, settings. Is that enough in today's job environment for employers to really be able to discern who it is that they're hiring?
1: Yeah, we, we, we strongly believe that it doesn't tell us much about the student. So I will give you an example. Um, if someone is looking, for example, as an accounting job, um, not necessarily uh, someone that the employer is looking is not looking for, hey this student got uh, an A or a B in accounting 101. The employer wants to know if a student knows how to manage a PNL or knows how to manage a balance sheet or understand it. So really uh, we strongly believe that the traditional transcript has been, you know the same thing as in the 1920s. Uh, the only difference is that now we have it on a PDF, right? <laughs> um, and it's online, but but really an employer is not looking for that. Uh, the employer is looking, hey, which are the skills, what the student can do, and how the student can show me that they can do that. Um, and I think that's a, the main um, problem that we are facing between that communication between the, the education providers, uh, let's say high schools or colleges, they are providing a transcript and a degree, and employers are not necessarily understanding that or are, are not speaking that language. Um, and, and I don't know if you, Keith, want, want to add a little bit more on that.
2: I would just for a second, uh, having been an you know, elementary, middle and high school principal and the superintendent as well in districts, you know, large and small and urban and rural, but most of which has been with uh, turnaround conditions. Many of my students, when they had either a transcript or resume So first, there's limitations just by that alone. Uh, There are certain places that would discard a candidate based upon the reputation of the school they came from or the zip code from which they apply Mm -hmm. or other issues that we still fight in regards to issues of equity. But then for my kids as well, many of them, let's say, didn't figure out how to make the most of school due to conditions beyond their control until late in their tenure, where their GPA was already set or the time that we had with them was only going to get their their test scores up to a certain point, yet they possess tremendous skills and abilities and competencies that individually, my staff and I could advocate and advance them to post-secondary opportunities, whether it's education or employment or service. But on the own, mm-hmm. the documents themselves were not going to be enough. And we have to make a transition into vehicles that allow more students to display Who they are what they know and what they're capable of offering to their next stage whether it's education or employment
0: so when i was looking at the territorium website um you know obviously uh, a lot of what you do is to help students translate what they've learned into something that employers will understand and a lot of that focuses around you know what we might think about as being some of the core skills What are the skills that your um, partnering institutions seek to highlight that would maybe perhaps not be as visible on a traditional transcript?
2: So, Guillermo, let me start with this one. I think the ones that we, I think, see most broadly at this point, or at least the most obvious for for listeners to figure out, are are what's considered the employability skills, sometimes referred to as soft skills, um, sometimes referred to Mm -hmm. as professional skills, so collaboration, uh, teamwork, problem solving, leadership, data analysis—all pieces that occur within and around what has been a traditional delivery of content. Uh, so that again, we use the example of world geography. You know that B plus in world geography doesn't talk about the presentation of a project done with a team of four individuals through the analysis of uh, regional economics uh, utilizing computer generated data. Um, And so what we are trying to do with many of our institutions as they shift from whereby we valued education for how much information you could retain and memorize to what is now about the processing of information and what you can do with it is more of what our clients are looking to be able to highlight, what someone can do to process the information and how they can use that data in ways to make decisions moving forward. And that is nothing that's ever been uh, represented in, in a grade.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Guillermo, do you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I will add that um, And, and to an example that Keith gave is like uh, someone that went to a history major uh, might not say on their resume, hey, I know how to do pivot pipe, pipe, pipe tables in Excel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will capture that and we will show that, hey, this student has been doing pipe tables or has been doing these types of analysis. um, That normally someone will not highlight it. But on our side, we have the data from the job market and what the job market is interested in. And we will try to show that types of skills no matter how the student got it and on which type of activities they did within their courses.
0: Going back to to what you just said where there are certain skills that wouldn't be highlighted in the transcript. If we were to re envision that, which is exactly what Territorium is trying to do, what what is it that students would present about themselves in particular during their initial job search process that would look different than a traditional resume and the transcript that would usually accompany that?
2: Well a couple things are going to happen. One through the vehicle that we provide, again The traditional route is to go to an HR page and apply, to go to the classifieds, Mm -hmm. to look through, you know, wherever the job postings may be. What we are able to do is to create the matching process, if you will, um, inside Mm -hmm. of the user's phone, where we all are. So we're not sending folks to a public library, we're not sending folks to different places in that pursuit. We actually can take the opportunities presented by employers and almost like, if you will, a dating app, create potential matches. So that way we can allow the employer to find six candidates that meet their criteria based upon a skill or competency attainment and reach out and say, would you be interested in considering this position? Or the reverse is also true, where an individual can curate the kinds of skills or abilities that they wish to present to that potential employer. And when we have the data from both sides, we also can help the learner or the the candidate, the student work to become a more viable candidate by identifying all the pieces Mm -hmm. that they have in place as per the requirements of a particular position and also guide them to additional opportunities to level up or increase their skills, to fill in holes or to become particularly qualified for specific areas. So it's both a fitness app, but the a fitness um, assessment at the same time. And we want to make those matches from both sides.
1: Uh, Guillermo, anything to add? Yeah, I, 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 I will add that um, as Keith said, a, a lot of in our case, what we do is, hey, maybe a student can even apply through a traditional job posting site, uh, but instead of showing just a resume, is showing these records of skills and showing uh, what we call the CLR, comprehensive record, record, with all those skills and all that data, um, instead of just putting the transcript. Um, and, and we will work on that process and making that translation for the student and helping them to show off much better to the employers
0: so you know what we've been talking about so far is really i think us trying to define what the problem is which you know to, to wrap a bow around it it's that the way that we document students matriculation through academic programs um, does not match up with the granularity that employers oftentimes are looking for when they're trying to hire a specific skill set. So I'll, I'll leave that at that. But I, I want to ask one more sort of question about this problem before we move on to talking more about uh, some of the ways that, that Territorium approaches the solution to it. It seems to me that when I was going through school, I'll admit that I'm fifty years old. I don't wanna I don't wanna project what you all's ages are, but I'm a fifty year old guy. And when I went through my undergraduate program, there was a pretty good understanding that my job was going to end up being somewhat connected to my major. I was a communication major, so that can go, as you know, in a lot of different directions. But I was probably going into, even at that time, there were still want ads. I was going into want ads and looking for jobs that highlighted communication. Now, I, I would posit that the connection between majors that students attain while they're in especially higher education and the job market do not match up in nearly as nice and a tidy way as it did when I was going through school. Do you both agree with that? And and if so, why do you think that
1: mismatch is
0: occurring right now?
1: I think also the job market has changed uh, through time. Um, Now it's expected to do a lot of different types of jobs and activities within a job that in the past, maybe it was like, hey, is just this activity now is, I will not say multitask, but now it's expected uh, from the job market to have various types of skills that sometimes are even not related to, hey, I took this major, or I I Mm -hmm. had this type of uh, technical degree. Um, Instead, um, there are different other types of skills that the job market is looking for, and, and it has been changing in, in this time um, and much more, uh, like sometimes even what's expected, it's not completely defined. Um, so a lot of what's expected from the job market is people to change while, while they're in a, in a certain job. So those types of things are, are things that the job market are looking for on how you have been developing certain skills through time how you learn other types of skills that maybe are not related to your major um, that that will make a change um, on, on how you you position yourself into this continuously changing job market and I, I can think I can also say that technology has brought a lot of these changes mm-hmm. um, as as we see more and more how job positions change more constantly than in the past just because of how technology is even evolving Um, that's 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 my point of view and and maybe kit can add a little bit more
2: i would clarify i think one point in this and that um sure when we think about um majors that you always see on tv where the the parent gets upset like you know what are you going to do with a philosophy major or religious ma- or religion major you know maybe there is definitely some some truth to how things have have evolved differently but i also think there's a number of industries that have absolutely made this the advancements so that there is very strong alignment everything from asphalt concrete crushed stone heavy machinery through the visual and performing arts have been ex- very specific for significant periods of time as far as the skills and abilities that are actually in demand and have really led the way for these kind of conversations for us to have and reach into other industries that maybe were more reticent to to make that kind of shift with that kind of specificity
1: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that that makes sense um so so let's turn to talking in a little bit more detail about uh, Territorium and, and the approach that you all use. So as you mentioned, Guillermo uh, and Keith, both of you mentioned this, that what you're trying to do is to create a technology solutions where students can um, more easily and in a more seamless way keep track of how they attain uh, skills that would be valuable to employers, what does that look like from a student's perspective? So, you know, let's let's assume that I'm that freshman communication major and I'm starting to take my first class in uh, team and group interaction leadership. Um, What would I do to be able to document that in a way that gives more viable and valuable information to a potential employer down the road than just simply having a grade from a course?
1: So from a student perspective, on one side, the student will receive an app that it looks a lot, and and you can compare it, and I like to compare it with like Fitbit or these type of held apps that track your health. Um, and normally, these health apps will tell you, hey, you should walk this much, or you should be doing these types of exercise, or you should, should eat this other type of stuff. In, in our case, what we're providing them is uh, showing them their progress towards getting certain types of jobs, and they can explore types of jobs and what's their progress. So they, they're receiving like a career tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in this app, they can see, hey, I took this course and this course helped me to progress in this percentage towards getting this type of job um, and increases, me, increases my probabilities in this other percentage, uh, in this other type of job. So in a certain way, it's, it's a career tracker app uh, for the student um, and really the student does not need to upload that much things into the app. Um, we will pull the data as we partner with institutions from the institution side. So we will map learning outcomes from the courses to skills. We will map activities that teachers are asking to the student within those courses to those learning outcomes. So in a certain way, we're working on the, the back end. We're working mm-hmm. um, um, uh, behind the scenes and then showing all this data to the students where the, they can make better decisions. That, that's basically how it works. Sure. So
0: if, if if we dive into this a little bit more deeply, what, what the value proposition of what you all are doing at Territorium is that a student would better, uh, more accurately, be able to display their skills for employers. There's a presumption there that there is a consistent way of evaluating what mastery of those skills means so that you can certify a student has those. Keith, can you talk a little bit about that concept of mastery learning? And maybe if you could give an example of what that might look like as it's associated with a specific skill.
2: Sure. And I would say that we intentionally do not make that presumption because there are still, um, while there are places like the Open Skills Network, like Credential Engine, other places that are looking to create that library of Congress of skills, there is no universal definition, Mm -hmm. let's say, of collaboration. So what we do is allow the student to attach the evidence that they submitted to earn the credential from their issuing institution. So when they send it off to someone to review, uh, the reviewer can look to see, well, what did this mean in practical application to you? So for example, yes, for an example, like there's, um, we think that that the learning again can occur within and beyond a classroom so there might be a an athlete that includes teamwork as a credential that they have earned because they played on the fencing team and yet just because you were on the fencing team does not necessarily make you a good teammate but by including evidence around how teamwork was exemplified to earn that badge you then have a much greater level of efficacy in being able to show what in fact it means as you share it with someone else. So the evidence becomes a bit of a leveling factor um, to make sure that there is a fair, a more fair exchange of information um, for the learners and the employers involved. When it comes specifically to competency um, in that same realm a mastery learning approach, an institution is gonna determine what that threshold is. And probably the best example we all know is CPR. If you have a certification in CPR, we know that you are capable of delivering X number of breaths and X number of compressions within a 60 second time period on a repeating basis. And luckily, we all have that as a sense as to whether or not you can do that or whether you can't. You can't really get close to saving Annie. You either save Annie or you don't. Um, and that <laughs> yeah. can be translated mm-hmm. into, you know, any series of other Skills that are specific to any particular industry or program or pathway or educational pursuit.
0: And so, as I th- so as I think about then um, what I'm talking with my students about, you know, in the, in the courses that I teach, am I as a teacher then trying to guide them on? What types of, uh, because I think about the example that you use with CPR and of course that, you know, the way that you say that makes complete sense. Maybe in communication, it might be that they develop very specific skills in Adobe Illustrator that um, I want them to master and then be able to demonstrate as a skill set on their resume. Um, Am I coaching them about... How they would create a packet of evidence that would demonstrate Adobe Illustrator skills, or is that something that the student would define for themselves? I, does that question make sense? I mean, I I, I guess I'm trying to get yes. at how active is the faculty member involved in coaching the students on how to demonstrate the uh, the veracity of their evidence.
2: We are intentionally, instructionally, and content agnostic, so part of the value of what we do is allow each institution to determine what the levels and definitions of let's say the competency is and how it's formulated there are those institutions Mm -hmm. that are let's say more heavily faculty directed based upon the program or the program requirements where there is a certain you know an osha standard is an osha standard and there's an and to teach those osha skills Mm -hmm. there is no variation let's say And there's other institutions that really believe that from the skills and competencies that they offer, that it's student and self-driven to where the student is able to say, I can do this at this level in this way, and here is my evidence. So the vehicle we provide allow for Mm -hmm. both to exist, knowing that this is a conversation that continues to evolve as education continues to move towards more of a skill and ability and a competency-based equation.
0: Right, right. Guillermo, I I think it was you that brought this up a a few minutes earlier about how um, you all, and as do I, believe that learning takes place both in and out of the classroom. And and Keith, you used the example of being on an athletic team. Um, If I was thinking about my educational experience from a competency-based perspective, it seems like I would need to be savvy about redefining situations as being educational that maybe would never be on the radar of anyone that that uh, would have a more strict definition of what educational experiences are. So, for example, we all can guess that student organizations have varying levels of um, organizational structure to them, depending upon the students and faculty advisors, et cetera. But I think all of us would look at that and say, okay, that's an educational experience. I know that in my college, we have a lot of students that create uh, productions, so media students, um, that will create productions that are independent of their courses, that are not part of a student organization. It's just a group of people that has an idea that they want to create, and they do it together. Now... Is that I, I? would assume that you all would would say that's fair game for including in um, a a um, you know a learner record to demonstrate competency. But I'm wondering how you define or how you can help students understand the bright line between this is something that demonstrate your skill and this is something that doesn't. Because it seems like once you open the gate, and this isn't a bad thing necessarily, once you open the gate then everything that they do has a potential to feed into evidence towards skill attainment. Is Do you have right. thoughts on right.
1: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> on one side is we will give these students and we will show these students, hey, these are the skills required mm-hmm. um, for you to to show to the job market that, that you have those skills. Um, we will define them and show them what it means and give them the option of examples like, hey, you can get this skill through a sport or you can get this skill through this other type of activity. We're constantly give them, giving them examples and they can decide like, hey, I want to upload another piece of evidence that is not necessarily within the institution or within the curriculum. We will need uh, in our case, our institution to validate that. The student can upload that and show progress, but we have two types of achievements within our platform, one that's verified and the other one that's not verified. So mm-hmm. students can upload things that are not verified, but then we give institutions the option to then verify them and validate them. Um, but to your point, that's a great example, because, uh, and, that, and that's how because that's, that's the way the company started. Uh, it started <laughs> right. by me being in college. I was starting a company in ed tech related to other stuff, and I was not going to classes. Um, and as, as what I was not going to classes once I decided I was going to drop out. Um, the thing is that I went to my mom and long story short, she told me like, hey, if you don't finish college, you will forget about your last name. So I found a way to go to the college president and tell him, hey, I'm thinking of dropping out, but I'm trying to build a business uh, while I'm going to college. And to my surprise, this college president said, hey, why don't you start showing evidence of what you are doing at your company? And then we will validate that evidence. And what about if you get credits for what you're doing in your company? It was a lifetime experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really is how the company started because my co-founder and I created a very simple system at that time for us uploading evidence. And then professors can go in that platform and validate that evidence that was mapped back to learning outcomes from courses so that we could get the credits. Um, so that that's why it's a, it's a great example. That's how the company started. And and we always want and 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 we ask students to upload new types of things to be validated uh, into the platform. Um, so yeah, yeah. What, just remind me reminded me how we start.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. I, I appreciate that. Um, can you explain a little more about what that validation process looks like? So if I if I was one of your professors um, on on a faculty at your university, and, and I was asked to verify it, is that me just? you know, going into a platform and looking at what you described
1: or what does that process look like? Yeah, no, normally we'll, we'll, it will look like that, but it also will depend on the on the university. And mm-hmm. it's a lot like we can call it like PLA, um, like this prior learning assessment and showing right. types of evidence. And each institution will have a different process. It can be mapped within the platform. And I, and I think Kit can give you a little bit more details and, and how we do this as, as he has been engaging with multiple institutions that are doing this uh, through our platform, Keep.
2: I think you've covered it. An individual can upload either verified uh, assessments, reports or work either from internships or apprenticeships or previous experience or prior institutions. And then we already know this to exist as a student, uh either let's say moves to higher ed there's a certain number of ap courses that you can accept for credit uh if you moved uh, within higher ed there's a certain number of hours that can move across so a lot of the the level of acceptance is determined by the institution's policies and we're learning more and more that institutions are are needing to accept more and more because again more of the the how we define the value of degrees and diplomas and how that translates into work uh, efficiency and effectiveness are becoming really critical factors. So where there then is more opportunity mm-hmm. to meet um, the ability to uh, have other experiences count uh, institutions that accept that are becoming you know more and more in demand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, like at Ohio university, our general education and also our honors program are both based upon um explicit requirements for students to engage in outside of classroom learning opportunities you know to put it broadly and you know I'll say that the most challenging part of that is is uh, is this notion of not only verifying, how those meet those milestones, but then of course keeping track of it is is um, is challenging, uh, especially for students that are over-attainers that you know that that achieve more and more badges. And I mean that's the, that's when it gets um, challenging, but not um, insurmountable. Um, let me ask a, a couple. So so I think that you all have done a very good job of of explaining the concept of learners being able to create records that. Um, supplement or in some places could even uh, stand in place of more traditional documentational learning experiences. Can you talk a little bit about w- what you think the role of degrees are? In other words, if we sort of take what you're doing to a, to a extreme that maybe you wouldn't advocate and, and I would understand that. What would be important are students being able to demonstrate these badges. Do they still need to get a degree? If they can find alternative ways to create demonstrable evidence that they've attained those skills,
1: I will say that the degree it's is a pathway of showing those skills, right? Mm-hmm. So really, what we're doing is translating a lot of what's being done already into more of a skills profile, or um, you know, uh, or, or this type of. Transcript 2.0, we can call it. -hmm. Um, The the idea here is we're also giving students other pathways uh, and opportunities to develop more skills than only through a degree. Um, And we're also even giving opportunity to students that are in in college, but they need to go back to work, for example, because they cannot continue in college. Uh, We're giving them the opportunity to already have something to show, to already have certain progress on their skills that they can show to the job market. And maybe they can come back later to college. So it's really finding ways of creating multiple on and off ramps for higher education um, uh, and for students to go within higher education. And I will also say that I, I strongly believe that higher ed is right now facing a transition it's not that it's completely changing, but institutions are looking to transition into more competency-based models, and and these new models are what it will shape the universities of the future, and and we're really helping in that transition uh, on the institutional side, um, but but I, I don't think that it's like I will say like there's not like it competes like hey you get skills through here or or to a degree it's it's really complemental you can have Mm -hmm. on one way the other or both um and and for us it's really trying to capture or all the multiple ways you're getting those skills
0: yeah absolutely keith is there anything you wanted to add on that
2: Uh, just a bit and i'll go back to uh what guillermo mentioned from from dropping out Currently, if you're a 10th grade student who drops out of high school for any series of reasons, it appears as if you are a failure because there's nothing on your resume mm-hmm. to speak of and your transcript shows drop out. Yet at 10th grade, you've spent at least 10 years developing skills and abilities that are in fact in demand. And we miss all of that by simply mm-hmm. relying on the diploma to be the, the only demarcation of success. So in and of itself, I think we we're in a period of transition. And still, the diploma matters. There are recent periods within the last you know, 15 years that you couldn't join the military with the GED. You had to have a diploma. So to mm-hmm. say that this replaces that, I don't think we want to enter that sort of dangerous water because there are times at which in this period of transition, as we reevaluate what each one of these documents and experiences and skills and credentials mean, that there's going to need to be a hybridization before we determine what the actual
0: evolution looks like. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that really resonates with me. I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, one of the I, I don't know if it's a struggle, but it's, it's certainly trying to think about where the hockey puck of education is going that I'm facing right now. And I think all of us in higher education are to some extent um, totally buy into the idea that I want my students to be able to articulately represent skills that they've gained while they're in my program and. Um, the only tool I have is to do that through the diploma and the degree that they attain. But more and more, um, what I'm finding is that I also need to be able to document that, that in between those majors that my students get their degrees in, there are emerging necessary skills that I also need to be able to show that they have through either a certificate or something like that. So a great example of this is anything to do with data analytics. And In the communication field, it's different than it would be in business, but we have to train people to understand um, how to interpret social media analytics and how to interpret uh, different types of user experiences in communication designs on websites and mobile apps and things like that. So the point is is that I might be graduating majors in strategic communication, but they need to be able to demonstrate skills in data-based decision-making and data analytics. Otherwise, they're not nearly as competitive as they would be. Um, what's challenging about that is that I get no credit almost for, uh, providing a student with a credential, like from the funding models that we have both at our university and also in our state, everything is based around degrees and everything that, um, I think broadly speaking, politicians talk about it's in the form of degrees. It's not in form, It's not nearly as it should be in the form of skills. I just say all of that to say, I think there's battles outside of just the educational institutions that need to be undertaken to equip the broader public on why skills and degrees go hand in hand. And I, I don't know that we've had that broader conversation nearly enough.
2: Agreed. Yeah. I agree with you.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Keith, I know that um, because of your title, um, you are uh, addressing issues of equity and innovation um, with the company. Can can you give some thoughts on how this uh, representation of skills rather than degrees and and more traditional credentials um, is something that can open doors for marginalized populations in ways that maybe wouldn't be opened?
2: Sure. Sure. I had a student with a significant reading disability, and for him, any assessment we gave him in traditional form was a reading test. Didn't matter the content because he was going to have to decipher what was on the page to be able to show what he Mm -hmm. knew and able to do. And so when we moved to performance-based assessment, we could take a question like um, the effect of temperature on molecules. And he could orally demonstrate with his arms spread wide and his fingers doing the jazz hands, and say, "You know, doctor, look. When it's warm out, molecules are like this, and his arms are fully wide, his fingers are shaking, so forth. And say, so when it's cold, he clasps his hands together in front of me. Say, the molecules are like this, which is exactly right. And that would he would never have known that that was option C in a multiple choice test." So where we can allow different kinds of learners from all different kinds of backgrounds to demonstrate what they know and are able to do, sometimes in modes and mediums that are unique or more appropriate to them, that's what matters. The number of children that we have who speak a different language at home than they have at school, but we don't necessarily denote Mm -hmm. their bilingual or multilingual capacities are often missed. Uh, When we wish to judge our learners based upon their zip code or issuing institutions, um, evidence is what helps level the playing field. And when we can take that information, that evidence, those badges and credentials, and as we do put it in a wallet so the student owns their own data forever. And so it doesn't disappear after they high five the superintendent as they walk across the stage. And it's in blockchain. So we're not reliant upon a student email address that expires, which is one of the biggest barriers to FAFSA completion a temporary cell phone, Mm -hmm. or even a physical address, we can create this portfolio in such a way that it's available to the learner when, where, and how they need it, ubiquitous to any level of device that is available to them. Again, it doesn't answer all of the issues of equity, but it can be a significant step along that
0: trajectory. Hmm, Yeah. Uh, Guillermo, I know that uh, Territorium... um, is an international company. So although you're based, as I understand it, in uh, Texas, I know that you have um, you have outreach into Asia and then also Central and South America. As, as, as you've looked across um, the service that you're providing um, across those different cultural contexts, are there any differences that stands out in the types of skills that Employers um, are seeking to be highlighted, uh, and that students are seeking to highlight uh, in their own, you know, documentation of their their learning. So, I I guess I'm interested to understand if you've seen any cultural differences uh, in in the types of skills that are highlighted as being most important.
1: Yeah, as I will normally we will see that same. It's pretty pretty similar and Mm -hmm. we will see the same types of skills that employers are looking for. Um, Normally you will see like, hey, they're looking for people to get on time. They are looking (laughs) for people to know how to collaborate, like pretty simple things, right? Um, And and you will find that across the globe. um, Of course you will find minor differences, for example, in, in Central and South America, you will find that it's very important to be bilingual. So mm-hmm. they will be looking for people that speak English because their their nat- native language is Spanish. Um, something similar in, in Asia also, if, if it's not an English-speaking country. Um, so there are some small differences that you will see compa- compared to the States. Uh, but but. In, in the big picture, most of employers are just looking for the same type of skills. And also, technically speaking, they're looking for the same on a software developer and a communicator. Um, but with this minor difference like language or other types of hard skills, I will call it.
0: Sure. I, the, the last question um, that I have that is, you know, sort of uh, related to this is as I guess I guess the way I would get to it is I think both of you have brought up in uh, answer to some previous questions that obviously you're not the only company that is looking at um, these comprehensive learner records and, and 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 how students can demonstrate that you alluded to the fact that there are some open source um, entities that are trying to define standards and so me not being uh, nearly as, as conversant in this field in this area as the two of you are, I get the sense from hearing you talk about it that there are some unanswered questions about paths that could be taken. You know, do you have strictly defined skills and standards? Do you have learner defined? And I don't even know if I'm characterizing it right. But since you're in this field, what are the potential paths that that could be taken, you know, uh, down the road, both by companies like yourselves, uh, but then also educational institutions? And to the extent that there are choices in those paths, which ones would you advocate most strongly for?
1: So first, um, on the standard side, we have been, as, as Keith said, very agnostic and we decided to translate everything to job market requirements and pull data and partner with uh, data providers of what the job market is looking for, uh, multiple types of organizations in the US and, and also outside of the US. Um, that, that has been our, uh, our way of seeing it. Um, I, I think a lot is yet to be defined Um, And I think we will see multiple iterations in this. But I also think that just making that minor change, uh, minor or big change, we can say it, um, how we're showing students skills or how we're translating transcripts is just a big or a huge step for institutions to start that transformation. Um, On our side, we're looking at right now and helping institutions in transforming. Um, However, there will be multiple iterations through time. The most important thing is how we're capturing all that data about each student and how we capture that data for the student at the end is owned by the student in the blockchain. But how in the future, you never know how much value the student can take. From that data and how much advantage they can take for making decisions, mm-hmm. and and it can be, as I said, multiple iterations through time, multiple ways of seeing it. Um, but just making that minor change creates a huge step for institutions and for educational systems from multiple perspectives um, that go from you know getting a job to equity and giving opportunities uh, to to more people. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't know, Keith, if you, you want to add more.
2: One thing, and that's as we work with institutions that define their pathways and programs and how we tease out those the skills and abilities that are inherent within them, what we are able to do for the learners also demonstrate the transferability. You know, sometimes the most important things we learn is are the things that we don't want to do. You know, you sign up for a program, you sign up for a major, you get into and realize like, oh, my goodness, I hate this. I never want to do this again. And then the traditional route is that the anxiety is so heavy, the individual drops out. Well, now, by identifying the skills and abilities, the Adobe Illustrator uh, example you gave earlier with communications, maybe the individual has decided that communications is not the field. But by already having that skill, let's say, of Adobe Illustrator, there are other programs, let's say, that an institution offers that that skill is immediately transferable. So now as a learner, Mm -hmm. I'm not overwhelmed by the feeling of having to start from scratch or feel like I have wasted however much time or money I've invested because I can see that I can reshuffle the tools, the pieces, the skills and abilities that I've acquired and put them together in a different form for a different program that maybe suits me better. Um, There are so many jobs, careers, and pathways out there that even the most robust guidance office can't get their heads around because we often, what's the example as to how many jobs have yet to be created? But were you able to see the ways in which your skills and abilities can realign and fit the puzzle differently? We're going to keep being able to engage learners in ways that let them show that what they have is of value and has different degrees of value and opportunity based upon the different routes that they pursue.
0: Yeah, I, you know that that get back gets back to the question um, that we talked about uh, a while ago about the changing nature of the job market, and um, not just in communication, but you could argue every field is being disrupted by technology. And as a result of that, the 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 deck the deck shuffling of skill sets that are needed is constant and ongoing for even traditional you know careers where the degrees and the, and the jobs match up. Perfectly, um, if and and so I think that. What I think you all are doing that is so important, and what is so important behind this movement to help learners have uh, more specific accountancies of what the skills are that they're learning, is that it's empowering for them, and not only empowering now, but it it stays with them as you as you have both articulated. It stays with them forever, you know, through the technologies that you've been able to accumulate. So I I appreciate what you're doing, and I also hope that we see more trends towards this way of thinking about. About how students can represent what they've learned. I think it's so important for them.
1: Thank you very much for having us, Scott. Hey, we appreciate the time.
0: <laughs> it's been great having you on, and uh, as you continue to do work um, uh, with different institutions, if you have uh, even more specific stories about how how your technology is being utilized, where we could bring one of your partners on. We would love to augment this podcast with a a deeper dive um, on a narrative about an institution. Uh, So Guillermo and Keith, uh, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate you being guests.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Guillermo Guillermo Elizondo is the CEO and founder of Territorium. Keith Look is a former principal and teacher and now vice president of equity and innovation at Territorium. We will have links to both of their LinkedIn accounts and then also a link to Territorium and the text accompanying the podcast if you want to find more information out about them. Our audio engineer and associate producer for Teaching Matters is Adam Rich. I'm your host, Scott Tisworth. We appreciate you tuning into the podcast. And of course, if you ever have ideas, questions, or comments, uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, through email or social media, and we would love to have a conversation with you.